Good morning, everybody. It's been a, a, a very dramatic, crazy morning. We were supposed to start at 11 o'clock, but there were judicial difficulties, as uh, my co-host, Ileana, has explained. So last week, we dove into the documentary detailing the curious story of Natalia Grace Barnett and how she was accused of being a 22-year-old a uh, scam artist from the Ukraine who was freeloading off of American adoptive parents who threatened to kill her adoptive parents and her siblings. And there was all kinds of other stuff that we had discussed today. Um, after we had come to some general conclusions, and if you missed that show, you're going to want to go back and watch that before you watch this one. Because on this show, we're going to talk about some of the allegations that have come out on the part of Natalia against her parents, as she told her side of the story, what's due to come out. And then we're going to discuss if she has any legal recourse going forward since both of the Barnett parents have since been acquitted in their subsequent criminal trials. Uh, we're going to discuss all that coming up. So I'll go ahead and uh, strap in. What's up, everybody? I'm Omar Serrato, experienced and practicing attorney, fierce litigator, and unofficial commentator on the most popular legal issues of the day. I'm the host of the Tilted Lawyer podcast, joined by Eliana Colon-Rosa and the TLP crew, where we break down the human aspects of law that everybody wants to talk about. I've been a practicing attorney for many years, but nothing in this show is or should be taken as legal advice. We're not going to pull any punches. We might even get a little bit dirty, but we want you to join us anyway. Welcome back, everybody. Um, so, Natalia Grace's story. You mentioned the Dr. Phil interview. She gave mm -hmm. an interview on Dr. Phil like three years ago, and yes. we did touch on some of those things. And she was accompanied by her biological parents. Not biological. New adopted parents. New adopted. Yeah, and they were discussing, they were basically pointing out that they had severe uh, doubts about the allegations that were being brought against her by the Barnetts. There were the behavioral concerns that they had. And uh, based off of that, uh, they opined that, look, I don't know. She hasn't tried to kill us. She's mm -hmm. been living with us for like a year. And they mentioned that the only reason that they adopted her was because she was in the second apartment. So reminder, if you needed a reminder, um, she was adopted by the Barnetts back in 2010. At the time, she would have been six, six and a half years old. And it should just be noted that the district attorney has since released evidence that was not available huh? um, at the trials. So they essentially released letters and uh, birth certificates mm -hmm. and documents uh, that indicated that Natalia's birth age was essentially September 4th of ninth of a. Uh, 2003, not uh, 1989, as they had previously <laughs> aged. They, they released all of that. And the reason why they released all of that was because they simply said, mm -hmm. look, it's obviously not to relitigate the case that's already yeah. been lost on appeal. It's mm -hmm. just that we feel like all of this new stuff is coming out with the mm -hmm. documentaries. And we, at the very least, want everybody to have all of the information. And mm -hmm. this is the stuff that we could not present at trial. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason that they couldn't present any of those things at trial was kind of silly. They had a mm -hmm. statute of limitations mm -hmm. for the admission of evidence, meaning you okay. couldn't go back further than five years. <laughs> meaning 
the hearing happened in 2012. The, the, the cutoff would have been 2017. Okay. The trials occurred like in 2018, 2019, which barred the admission of those evidence. So her birth certificate, mm-hmm. um, the document where uh, her mother was forced to give up Natalia, including her mother's biological mm-hmm. age, which would have put her, if Natalia is born in 1989, mm-hmm. that means that mom would have been 10 years old when she gave birth. And there, there was a number of other things, but none of that made it in. And yet they used uh, the judicial decision from 2012 to bar other evidence of her age. Well, basically saying mm-hmm. we can't really relitigate her age. We went and ran through the entire appeal that the courts reasoned with. They said, well, we've addressed her age twice. And once was in 2010. And in 2010, it was an adoption agency establishing for purposes of adoption uh, what her age would have been. But they said that since it wasn't the main point of those proceedings to get correct her Mm -hmm. age, then it was not raised judicata as to the 2012 proceedings. Mm -hmm. And then they could address it again in 2012. And then they did. And... The funny thing about it is a lot of the commenters on our show from last week mm-hmm. mentioned there was there was one particular nurse where she basically said kind of what we had said mm-hmm. on the show. There is no doctor out there that's going to say any that, that's going to use any particular evidence to say, oh, she was definitely such and such an age. Mm-hmm. This definitely shows that she's 100 percent, 27 years old. There's no doctor that was going mm-hmm. to do that. So the evidence that they had medically was the testimony from the Barnetts. Mm-hmm. There was testimony from doctors. Maybe they had some medical documents. They probably had a full run-up. The, the normal stuff that you would get from a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. They had mental health interviews. But none of those documents was going to be dispositive on the issue of what is her actual birth age. Sorry. There was some mention of bone density scans. But yeah, you can't just have a bone density scan and say, oh, this definitely means this person is 67 years old. Especially for her condition. Yeah, and not even taking into account her condition. But the whole point in that was just simply that the judge, at the end of it, we mentioned. Mm-hmm. He throws his hands up and is like, oh, um, I don't know what, what. What do you want me to do? Uh, most people stop growing at 18. And so uh, like, I declare any, her 22. Any, mini, my new mo, this yeah, is going to be it. <laughs> pretty much. That's what he did. Not even taking into account that most women stop growing around age 14 age 15. And so by that logic, he should have at least made her birth date in 1993, you know, make her a, a, a teenager, 17, 18 years old. And so a lot of the discussion now uh, from our listeners really has been, um, what is the legal recourse going forward? Is it possible to get her re-aged? Mm-hmm. Well, what would be the reasons to do that, Eliana? Why would she need to get re-aged now after all this has gone on? I don't know. I mean, if she's point, already an adult, she's already, I mean, if she's already an adult, even with her actual, like real birthday, I don't, I don't know. What. Like right now she's born in 2003. That means that right now she's 19 years old. Yeah. She's a voting age. Um, I mean, she can't drink, but the law said she could way back when she was a, a six year old. <laughs> so, I mean, the only thing that I can think of is for like, uh, I don't know. Like more uh, technical things, such as like social security or something like that. Well, I mean, that would benefit her to be <laughs> yeah, older, wouldn't I it? I know. <laughs> That's true. She will get her the benefits um, earlier, but things like that. But other than that, I mean, 
unless she has something specific that the difference in, in the H will affect her. I don't see the point now, and I don't think that uh, correcting her H is gonna make the criminal um, case for the father or the mother like be reopened or anything, or really re-litigated or anything like that. So. Well, that's really the main question, because the reason why they lost mm -hmm. on the criminal case was because it wasn't neglect of a child. Yeah. That would have been a much quicker conviction. The jurors even said as much. Well, if she was a child, this would have been easy. Exactly. But if you're saying is is she, um, they had to view her as if she was an independent adult, mm -hmm. independent enough to live in her own apartment. And then all they had to prove was, well, look, we, we paid her bills. We mm -hmm. paid her rent. We gave her food and shelter. What more do you want us to do? Mm -hmm. She's 22. She could fend for herself. The jury couldn't even consider the fact that she was actually eight. Mm -hmm. So here's the other thing. If the prosecution, here's what bothers me. If the prosecution had all of this evidence that they just released, and let's take a look at some of the stuff that they released. Um, it's worth noting the Tippecanoe County uh, Prosecutor's Office uh, releasing evidence as to Natalia Grace Barnett. Um, the stuff that she... Here, let's just go into it. Mm -hmm. I haven't found a place to... to um, get the full on like discovery level mm -hmm. stuff. But what they released was essentially uh, birth certificates. Okay. Um, so here's what they say. Here's what the prosecutor's office says. Um, Michael and Christine Barnett, they're found not guilty of the charges that were dropped, blah, blah, last year. And then according to the statute of limitations, the trial court ruled that any evidence outside of the five years prior to the charges were prohibited to be used in court. This included any mention of Natalia's age or her adoption. They couldn't even know that she was adopted. <laughs> Interesting. I, I didn't even consider that. <laughs> um, the Tippecanoe County Prosecutor Patrick Harrington said he that he wants the public to have the whole story. We respect the court's decision, and we understand why he ruled that way, but given the information that is out in the public, we felt it would be better served if we released what the evidence was. And then the information released uh, was everything from a birth certificate, medical records, there was adoption documents, uh, there was a refusal of maternal rights from when the mom yeah. um, said that she was forced into signing this thing and giving her up because of her condition, uh, which proves that it was her biological mother. Um, and all this information um, highlights, points to Natalia's actual birth date being September 4th, of 2003. And uh, so the Indiana State Police sent detectives, and we sent one of our deputy prosecutors to the Ukraine in 2019. And this is before the war over there. They were actually able to find and meet Natalia's birth mother. DNA samples were taken from her, brought back to the police lab, which showed she was the natural mother of Natalia. And then a judge in Marion County verified an emergency petition to change Natalia's birth date based off the fact she had allegedly not grown in two years. Uh, Natalia has dwarfism. Um, and one day in June, this is going how the history of how they litigated mm -hmm. it. One day in June of 2012, Natalia went from age eight to 22. And this means that her mother would have been 10 years old when she had Natalia. Harrington says he wants people to know her story and see what the county 
prosecutors had but were not able to use in court. And it says the purpose of this isn't to go so much into what happened and didn't happen in court, as everybody has their own opinions. Mm -hmm. The purpose of this is to say that that we've had from the start of the investigation all the way, not one person, one doctor, not one dentist, not a government official contradict her birth date at all. So the issue to me, practically speaking, although Mm -hmm. maybe not in the eyes of the law, there's not a dispute that her birth date was when she says it was, September Mm -hmm. 4th. 2003. Natalia Mm -hmm. goes on this interview and I wanted to play just a small clip because I know we're doing this podcast right now and maybe we're doing it prematurely. Mm -hmm. Maybe this bodes for a part three of the Natalia case Mm -hmm. because at some point she has already given an interview and it's in production right now and it's going to be released where she's going to tell her entire side of the story um, that she hasn't had an opportunity to do. That documentary that was aired on investigative discovery, that was the Barnett's side. And even Michael's presented side. Well, it's Michael's side. <laughs> even from their perspective, I mean, we came away with the opinion that uh Michael was a liar. Yes. That the Chris the the, the Christine was a criminal, mm-hmm. that uh, Natalia was probably sexually abused, she was definitely physically abused. Mm-hmm. That there was funny stuff going on, you know, in that family yes. and that we didn't really buy the fact of what they were trying to sell, Mm -hmm. you know? So this is a promo of the video interview that she gave. And let's take a listen to that. And it's very frustrating to hear everything that's being said from Christine and Michael. And because I already don't know who I am And I want to know who I am, what happened to me. But I'm hearing all this stuff that never actually happened from Christina Michael. And I'm just like, it's shocking and it's frustrating because that's not true. And people are believing what Christina Michael are saying without even hearing my side. This is my side of the story. And I'm going to say what happened because I never got a chance to say what happened. Y'all have heard Christine and Michael and what they have said. But you need to hear both sides in order to know what really happened. What upsets me so so much about this case is... She could have ended up anywhere, you know, and she, if she was with 30 different families, I don't know. I know of the three that were listed in the documentary, Mm -hmm. you know, two of those families seemed like reasonable people Mm -hmm. that they just couldn't care for her because they really wanted to, but they couldn't because they had various difficulties. They had various impediments. Mm -hmm. Couldn't happen. Fine. But then they go to the Barnett's and from... Most accounts, Mm -hmm. I haven't found anybody to say that, oh yeah, Michael is a sympathetic character. You know, we feel for him. He was, he really was abused. <laughs> that thing. I, wonder, I was abused. And then he's pounding on the floor. I wonder how he's feeling now that all those um, records and evidence are being released. He's probably playing that victim. Uh, what is it? Uh, I guess behavior 
more and more and more. I mean, he was already doing it on, on the show. He's probably now like the world's against him. <laughs> I kind of feel like he probably just likes the fact that people are talking about that him. That too, yeah. Because yeah. he's very clearly a drama queen. Oh, yes. He's very, he very clearly craves the attention. I feel like he does things overtly mm -hmm. for dramatic effect. Mm -hmm. Like he's going to throw the laptop. Like he throws a tantrum on the floor and starts pounding it. Mm -hmm. Like um, he starts crying and like uh, forcibly crying, like forcing himself to cry yes. and, and produce tears. Um, just everything about that guy says to me, uh, former drama student loves the limelight. And so I think that he's probably just happy that people are talking to him and he gets to sit down in front of the camera and tell his story and people get to do his makeup. And you know. <laughs> Oh God. But he's, uh, he's, there's no chance that he's not enjoying all of this. And so. Attention. Yeah. The attention, the attention. Um, let me fix uh, my setup here again. I kind of messed myself up. Um, at any, well, so what do you think of that promo? Now, I, the, the promo that's been floating around for Natalia has been this 32nd one, but this mm -hmm. one was like more of a minute long and it kind of gives more insight. I'm fascinated mm -hmm. by this case. I'm fascinated about what she's going to say. Yes. And what is what exactly is it that happened to her that hasn't been said? Now, remember on the documentary... There was things that the uh, the affair um, dwarf, yes, yes. jazz musician, mm -hmm. um, that he specifically wanted to say. He was like, oh, we're not going into that? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I remember there was one portion in one of the promos where one of the sons, the siblings, mm -hmm. started talking about how Natalia got thrown down the stairs. Yes, and he had the mic on. And he, and he had the mic on. Was. And I was like, oh, I wasn't supposed to say that? Ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh god so um. it's um we've already suspected our theories mm -hmm. about there was probably some weird sex stuff going on now there was a lady there was one listener mm -hmm. that commented in our on our show last week about the whole tampon thing and we're like mm -hmm. you don't start off a young girl with mm -hmm. oh my daughter was she was mad at me <laughs> <laughs> i told you <laughs> I told you, I was like, I don't... You know what was funny? When I was like, um, when you even said, oh, your daughter's going to be so mad at you. I was like, yeah. oh, she doesn't even listen to the show. Well, she was listening to it live oh. in the car oh, my. with my wife. Poor thing. As we're headed to Disneyland with the entire family in the car. Oh, poor thing. Oh, she needs an apology. Oh. Oh, my God. I make no apologies like that. No. Well, I should apologize. <laughs> I did apologize. Well, hey, I didn't know that you were listening. The one time you listen to my show is going to be went live in the car with all the family, and I'm just happened to be talking about this landmark event in your oh, life. Oh God. Oh. <clears throat> so, but there was one lady that mentioned that she was like a gymnast. She was an athlete. Yeah. And like back in the day, um, they started her on tampons, but some people do, and it's they rare. weren't even. They weren't even. Um, she said something like they were less good quality. Like, I don't know, less oh, yeah. comfortable back in the day. Mm -hmm. I imagine they would have been. Um, but she said it was normal for her and there, it was necessary because she used to wear like leotards and stuff. And she no, didn't want to have like a big thing. I understand it because I used to be a ballerina and I know a lot of people would just 
start uh, with tampons, but it's rare. Like it's not the majority of people that do it. Yeah. And it's because of that, because they have leotards and stuff like that. But it's not also necessary. Um, I don't know. Is I, it just because it affects the way your costume looks? Like you have this bulky thing and everybody exactly. can just, just, hey, obviously she's on her period. And it moves around. Like if you're stretching and stuff like that, it's just a big mess. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, before, I know things have, of course, progressed and been, they're more comfortable now. But before, yes, they used to be very uncomfortable, but I don't think they were to the point where you would be like bleeding from using one. Like, you know, a situation when you would be bleeding, maybe. I mean, and I don't mm-hmm. know how it works, but mm-hmm. if you're messing around in there. Yeah. If you're messing around or you, you're putting it in when you're not really on your period, that your system kind of like change, the cervix kind of changes shapes depending if you're in, in your yeah. period or not. And if you're not, it kind of makes it a little bit uncomfortable to wear. Well, this is more about this particular subject than <laughs> I've ever had to go into ever in my life. And so... I'm just fascinated by all of it. Actually, I'm not. And I'd much rather change the subject. No, I'm kidding. All the, but the whole point is there's specific reasons why you would start a, a yeah. young girl on tampons, I guess. There are, for sure. But those are very specific. Yes. But Natalia Grace was not a ballerina. She could barely walk. And she was not an athlete, mm-hmm. even though Michael said she had like Hercules strength because she uses her arms all the time. It, it was just, uh, she was just a young girl that I suspect was severely sexually abused by Christine. And you know what? I wonder mm-hmm. if uh, something's going to come out as to Michael, because I feel like that video that they wanted yes. him to watch on that laptop, what was Christine trying to say? And was she trying to say something to put the blame off of her? And what's more interesting is 99 times out of 100, Mm -hmm. when I have something from the opposing party and I want to let my client know, like, hey, they got video Mm -hmm. about something that they say that you did. If they don't know what's on the video, they want to see what it is. Oh, oh, let me see. Let's see what it is. Let me watch it together. Right. (laughs) But he knew exactly where Christine was going with that. And then he throws this distracting um, temper tantrum and says, I'm going to throw the laptop across the room. <laughs> and the producer, could you just not, I know. please? <laughs> How old are you? That's what I would have said. It's a nightmare. But um, what are the chance? Let's just put it this way. What are the odds that Natalia was not sexually abused by? And look, I know that this show's getting censored because I'm using that word. I just mm-hmm. don't give a shit. Um, they demonetize like we're making any money off the show anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, what are the chances that she was not sexually abused by Michael? I mean, there's chances. <laughs> what would you put it at? 2%, 5%, 50%? No, I will say 50 given the the apparent history that she had with other foster homes. We don't know what happened at uh, those other homes. Um, And if she went through so many, I don't think there were 30, but apparently there were many of them. We just don't know. But I do think there's maybe, I don't know, maybe a 55 to 60 percent. It's a little bit higher than I will say then. Well, the the only reason that gives me pause Mm -hmm. to be so definitive is the fact that the prosecutors have had this case for years. Mm -hmm. 
they've had ample opportunity to depose Natalia. Mm-hmm. And if they were going to, they could have brought charges mm-hmm. for a simple sexual assault, mm-hmm. not even involving a minor child. It mm-hmm. could have just been a regular sexual assault, but they didn't because they didn't have that evidence. Mm-hmm. And perhaps, I mean, there's multiple reasons for that. A lot of time, crimes against children don't get prosecuted because the child is not a credible witness. Yes. Or maybe they become more credible as they age, Mm -hmm. but they said specific things when they were six, seven, eight years old that have destroyed any chance that they're not going to be able to testify without giving contradictory statements Mm -hmm. that is going to open the door to reasonable doubts. And then it's like, what's the point anyway? So... But it does bother me mm-hmm. because the DAs that I know that I've spoken with is in a case like this. Um, I've had cases where there was literally um, witnesses in the room at the time of the alleged incidents that gave records, uh, you know, sworn depositions uh, to testify to that fact. And the prosecutor knew it was coming and is like, well, then we'll just take it to trial and lose because he was a good prosecutor. You know? <laughs> I mean, you could say he's a good prosecutor or you could say that, you know, look, if you got evidence like that, maybe you should dismiss the case. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But for what it is worth, the jury found those witnesses not credible. Mm -hmm. They believed the children when they got there to testify and he got a conviction. So go figure. (laughs) Lots lots of opinions out there. But, you know, sometimes it's better just to let the evidence speak for itself and to absolve yourself of the judicial outcome. You know, do you remember that case where I had, I had the opportunity to speak with a a judge in chambers in Hemet. Okay. Forget his name. He's been practicing. He's been on the bench for like 40 years. He's been retired since 2008, but he just, he's always around. And like he was covering the calendar in H4. Um, Mm. I forget his name. I guess it's escaping me right now, but I had that DVRO case. I talked about on this podcast, how I was all devastated about it. Lafferty? No, no, he's older, he's short, older, mm-hmm. uh, white gentleman. I just um, know that one's all right right now. Yeah, I don't want to say his name on the podcast because I still practice here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, but he was, um, he's been around forever, like 40 mm-hmm. years. And I had a DVRO with him mm-hmm. and we were going in chambers and he's like, hey, I remember you from somewhere. I was like, yeah, I had that one case <laughs> where my client had a dream and accused her husband of cheating on her and got so upset and worked herself up in such a frenzy that she showed up at his job drunk off of her ass and at the it was this car dealership mm-hmm. and she started vandalizing the place and like telling you know screaming at the top of her young lungs she got arrested and then she was 51 50 and then she got out and then she sent text messages uh threatening him um threatening his child and all this stuff and then you know i walked in there and it was like your honor it was a one-time thing. She's moved on. She's learned her lesson. We don't have to do anything to her. And then the judge ruled restraining order granted for five years. <laughs> and we were laughing That's about crazy. it. But it's funny. You go into these chambers with the judges in family law or criminal law or whatever, and you really feel the weight of these charges mm-hmm. are not just with the parties. I mean, we're litigating these cases mm-hmm. On our show last week, there was a portion where I was like, um, you still really want to do this shit? You really want to be a lawyer? Like, <laughs> Just reading the absurdity of the reasoning yes. of the appeals court, which it wasn't absurd. It was mm-hmm. academically sound. It was just like, yes. but for common sense, human beings, I mean, why, mm-hmm. 
why couldn't we look at the birth certificate and DNA results of the biological mother and just say that that was new evidence that wouldn't have been available in 2012, like a normal mm-hmm. uh, um, appellate process would do, which is, we're, and we're going to talk about why that is a little bit. We're going to, I, I really want to get into whether or not she has any legal recourse. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, the judge that made that call, here's a guy, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know this judge, but here's what I know. Um, there was two sides. They presented evidence, mm-hmm. medical evidence. He's not a doctor. Of course. They had medical experts going and try to convince him. He's not even a jury. He's one mm-hmm. guy. He's got a wife and kids. And so you're asking this one guy that's not a medical expert um, that doesn't have any stake in the fight and he's being presented with something and he's supposed to be mm-hmm. the one to make the call. And it's like, I don't freaking know. You got stuff you want to say. You got stuff that you're saying. What's the stuff that I can rely on? She hasn't grown in four years. Okay. Well, normally that means now he shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. That might have been an abuse of logic since most people stop growing at 18. I'm going <laughs> to declare her 22 years old. Um, but what do you expect him to do? There was no definitive evidence at the time mm-hmm. that would have led him to believe that her age was anything other than what it was. Mm-hmm. But I think the correct, if this were litigated in California, this is the way I feel like it would have went. They would have allowed in the evidence of the biological mother and the birth certificates mm-hmm. from the Ukraine because those should be presumptively true exactly. because there's some documents that should be pre- given the benefit of the doubt. And if you feel like there's some deficiency in, mm-hmm. in, in some regard, then you should have the opportunity to present that. But absent that, then we're just going to take these documents mm-hmm. and we're going to declare them uh, the best evidence that we have. And mm-hmm. I will rely on that evidence. It happens a lot in family law. Yes. It happens a lot in dependency court because oftentimes we have differing opinions. Mm-hmm. Go figure when it comes to what's best for a child. <laughs> and so for Natalia, um, I feel like that evidence would have gotten, even if it wasn't available in 2012, I feel like he should have been able to file a motion to set aside that judgment based mm-hmm. on new evidence that wouldn't have yes. been available at the time. I'm not sure if they have that mechanism in Indiana, though, because know. they have this weird five-year rule. You can't look back five know, years prior to a charge. Very, what is that? What is that? strange. That's I've never heard of that, for one. It doesn't seem constitutionally sound mm-hmm. in several regards. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? I mean, about what? I don't <laughs> <Exactly>. know. <laughs> I just needed a breather. I thought I'd throw the camera to you. <laughs> I needed to collect my thoughts. Because I get, I get angry when I think about I don't understand the Indiana process that wouldn't have allowed... Yeah the evidence that the prosecutors released, mm-hmm. why wouldn't that have been considered a trial? Yes. Now, and to be fair to them, in Indiana, it was mm-hmm. this, It was in the context of a criminal charge. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You can't look back further than five years. But it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so if he's charged in 2018, mm-hmm. and the evidence, the incident occurred more than five years ago, then shouldn't how? that defeat the statute? I know. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. It makes it no doesn't. sense to me. It's okay. Um, it's the same as this morning. Did it make sense? Well, <laughs> for what I was told, so <laughs> sometimes oh, the law doesn't make sense at all. It's not even law. It's just the system. Yes, the the, the same, law yeah. makes sense. It's just they sometimes we write laws that have to be interpreted by lots of smart folks, mm-hmm. and lots of smart folks could find ways to justify just about any stupid thing. Oh yes, and that's the problem with our mm-hmm. profession, honestly. Exactly. <laughs> so. Um, Getting back to, I don't want to get too much far off track. So, um, we talked about the obvious signs of sexual assault, at least to us, the physical abuse. 
and highlighted that I don't think that they went enough. They mm-hmm. briefly touched on the physical abuse as to Natalia. And I wonder how much worse it must have been. And, and here's the thing. You're going to find out. And you already know you have stepchildren. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have, well, they're three and four now. Mm-hmm. I raised also a 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. Children are very difficult to raise. And if you are not the kind of person that has patience, then you wonder why there's so many crimes against children. Mm -hmm. People lose it. They are psychologically affected by the hardships that comes with raising children. And so it's, I feel like that patience is developed over time. Mm -hmm. You get your maternal instincts and then you start to understand like Mm -hmm. what your children are trying to communicate and what they're trying to Mm -hmm. bring. And you know, how to handle it. But there are times when you're just so tired and, you know, maybe your marriage is bad. Maybe mm-hmm. you're married to a gay guy that's trying to present as straight and everybody mm-hmm. knows it and everybody's telling you probably behind the scenes. And then, you know, there's probably issues in the bedroom over there. Mm-hmm. And now she has this weird um, dwarf fetish because yes. she's going seeking out that jazz musician <laughs> that she was infatuated with. And um, I don't know, uh, she's making Natalia wear tampons Um and she's locking her out of the house until she admits that she's an adult or admits certain things. And that's <clears throat> at the time when I watched that documentary, I got to watch it again mm-hmm. in light of everything that I've learned since Ask I watched her, it the first yes. time. But the first time <clears throat> that I watched it, I, I wasn't sold on the idea that, well, I was still, Opens to the idea mm-hmm. that maybe she is like a yes. teenager or an adult or mm-hmm. something. And just, I need to see the evidence. And I was waiting for the, like, the big mm-hmm. smoking gun and it never came. And after everything that I've seen now and everything that has been released by the prosecution's mm-hmm. office, that little girl was six years old and she was locked out of her house mm-hmm. in the dead of night, the witching hours between 12 to 3 a.m. Screaming, crying, begging to be let back in the house and Crazy ass Christine um, refuses until she makes certain admissions that serve her interests. Probably cold, probably scared of the mm-hmm. dark. Who knows what animal, animals are out there? Um, the neighbors finally call CPS, mm-hmm. and that's how we got another investigation into it. She gets thrown down the stairs, and she already has <laughs> these physical limitations. Yes. They, there was video of her being told to lean her forehead yes. against the wall and... Mm-hmm. They, they showed some of that. If that's the stuff that they let you see, imagine the what? things that happen with no cameras rolling. Exactly. And you saw the way that Michael was talking to her in the video that he that. recorded that he thought was going to absolve him of guilt of something, right? To me, that implicated him even deeper mm-hmm. that he was a creep. Yes. That he was a complete narcissistic mm-hmm. drama queen, um, dangerous man mm-hmm. that Money. was Money verbally... Probably physically and sexually abusing a mm-hmm. six-year-old little girl. They get justification to remove her from the home and um, abandon her in an apartment. And then the neighbors. <laughs> That's another story. <sighs> I think the neighbors started well. And then at some point, I guess they talk among themselves. And one brought up the concern and all of the others kind of like gave it thought to it. And all of a sudden they're against this girl. But they fell victim to like this groupthink ideology where one person thought that she was an adult because, well, 
Talia told her that she was mm-hmm. 22, so never mind them. But then that all gets around, mm-hmm. and everybody stops looking at her like she's an abandoned eight-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. They start looking at her like she's a 22-year-old weird-ass adult mm-hmm. that's trying to burglarize. I can't believe that that one old lady said, oh, like she was trying to she was trying to scope out the place because she's going to come back later and steal things. And <laughs> what is she going to carry out? <laughs> I know. Seriously, with her walker. <laughs> Idiot. And they were, they were all, um, I mean, there were some hints of sympathy, but the, the general consensus was she was a nuisance. And they tried to get her evicted, basically for the duration of her stay. And she goes to this other apartment complex, mm-hmm. which was not much better. Yes. Um, in many cases, worse. And that's where she's discovered by the family that she's living with now. Mm-hmm. What I will say is... Um, what, what, what I will say is this, you can say that the story has a happy ending, but you heard Natasha on that one minute clip that we got to, uh, to see of her story. Natalia. I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Natalia. <laughs> well, they, they call her Natasha in Ukraine. So really, in one of the videos, I remember that when they're referring to her, when they go to the Ukraine to find her mother and there's some other lady that calls the mother She's, uh, she says, oh, they're here for Natalia. And she says, oh, Natasha. It could be just a, a language thing, you know, Juan and John. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, so, uh, how do you say your name in English? Oh, my name doesn't have a... Uh, you say it like me, Ileana. Yeah. But how would you pronounce your name? Ileana? Yeah, just different. Yeah, but, <laughs> different. you know, but for example, John in Spanish is Juan. So it could be one of those things where yeah. Natalia, maybe in Ukraine, it's Natasha. Sure. So. Well, I guess, I mean, that makes sense. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the, the, the most important thing is um, that guy uh, was a creep. And mm-hmm. um, that, that, that whole neighbor, the whole neighborhood just turning on her like that. Um, I don't know. But just to know, I have 100% no doubt that she is... The age that she states. Mm-hmm. I don't buy for a second that her age was off. I believe the Ukrainian evidence that was, I, I believe her, her biological mother, I believe the DNA yes. tests, I believe her Ukrainian birth certificate. Um, there, There's nothing to suggest otherwise in my eyes. So now I'm seeing it for what it was, this seven or eight-year-old girl. And we were saying it, like, it was like cognitive dissonance yes. where they're telling you, the Barnett's meaning, that this scam artist 22-year-old is trying to freeload off of us. You know, they're telling you all these things, yet you're seeing this video of him berating her. It's like, doesn't that doesn't sense. look like a 22-year-old. <laughs> nope. And you can tell the difference between how she acted in those videos or how she presented herself to this uh, clip. Like, when I saw this clip, one of the things that stood out is that she looks like an adult. She talks like an adult. Her demeanor is just like a mature person. Mm. And you compare that to that video where he was talking, the Michael was talking to her in, in the apartment and berating her about the food. Yes. And it's very different. It's very different. You could see that at that point, she was a child. She behaved like a child. She, it's. Well, it's that defense mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. Where you just, uh, you're getting yelled at mm-hmm. and there's nothing you could do. So you shut down. Mm-hmm. And, and what's the dynamic of that? If you're a child and you were being verbally yelled at by an adult, whether it be a parent or somebody that you trust or someone you don't trust. From your perspective, they are a giant. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to, like, fight this uh, person Mm -hmm. that's four times your size? Mm -hmm. And she's, like, two feet tall. 
And so just the physical dynamics, mm-hmm. like if he wanted to physically throw her down the stairs or beat her up the way that they had been doing, um, they what's the best way to defend yourself? I'm just going to play dead. Yeah. Keep quiet. My daughter does that. Yeah. Like when she knows she she's in trouble, yeah. like um, when she knows that she's in trouble mm-hmm. or she gets caught doing something, um, like she will um, drop to the floor and curl up into a ball oh, God. <laughs> and do this turtle thing because, you know, she got caught in doing That's her natural instinct. Yeah. Fight or flight. She's a flighter. She's, a fl- <laughs> she's not a fighter. She's a flighter. The other one is a fighter for sure. But, um, you know, but it's, a, it's an instinct. And mm-hmm. so I it see is. a lot of uh, in Natalia. Um, the flight mm-hmm. uh, instinct with her. Shaggy says uh, she was going in their refrigerator. Yeah. She was going, and they, that was the worst part of it, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Like um, when he's Which going one? through a refrigerator, going through all her covers. How did you get all that food? Where did you get these donuts? And I like, know. did you want her to cares? give her an answer? Like, what do you mean? How to, where did she get them? Like, people and who are. Who cares? It's food. Yeah, she's like, got food. Wouldn't you be happy that somebody gave her food that you don't have to purchase now? Like, I didn't get that connect. <laughs> like, what is he even bringing it up for? Yeah. Like, what does he care? You know, what he's going to like report her to the authorities for having donuts? I think it was more of him realizing that there were people supporting her and that yeah. he, did, he wanted her to be kind of like a. Uh, not have any friends or any person that will get on her side because he knew what he was doing was wrong. Well, it goes back to my theory about why he didn't want to just mm-hmm. give her up. Yeah. Because I think that him doing that opens up the door to the possibility mm-hmm. that she starts talking to people that brings further investigation. Mm-hmm. His first concern was getting to her phone and deleting all of her contacts. Exactly. So that she can't no longer call CPS. That's her only outlet to the world. Imagine an eight-year-old having to learn how to use a phone like that. And then she's gone. Just, it makes me angry to the point of like, just, it, it just makes me angry where mm-hmm. I think really bad thoughts <laughs> that I shouldn't be thinking. But Barnett, uh, Michael is a disgusting human being. And every time I see his face on, on, on my computer screen or on television, I get angrier and angrier at the thoughts of, of what he put that little girl through. <sighs> at, at any rate, that's um does Natalia have any legal recourse? Well, let's put our legal minds to the test and see what we could come up with. First of all, um there what would be the charges? First of all, how do you just look at it from a criminal perspective? In law, in the constitution, you have this thing called double jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Double jeopardy basically means you can't be tried twice for the mm-hmm. same thing. So um, if knowing that, and they've already been acquitted of some of the charges, mm-hmm. um, what would be the benefit to try to recharge them on stuff that would have happened around the same time period? In yeah. your opinion. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the only thing that I can think of is the sexual abuse, if there was any. Um, but I don't know. Well, here's the thing. So double jeopardy, um, in the context of criminal prosecution, Mm -hmm. it refers, it's this legal principle. It protects individuals from a conviction. You have a fifth amendment, right? Um, which includes, um, prohibition against double jeopardy. You can't be tried multiple times for the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, its purpose is to safeguard against multiple trials or punishments for the same offense. So, 
the question really just becomes in civil law and, and really in litigation in general, you have this thing where, where in civil law that you have what's called a compulsory cross complaint. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to sue, if you're being sued and you want to sue the same person mm-hmm. for something else that happened at the same time, mm-hmm. um, if it happened at the same time of your lawsuits or could reasonably have occurred at the same time, mm-hmm. you have to bring that lawsuit under the same with your mm-hmm. answer. It's compulsory cross-claim. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then you lose forever exactly. your ability to bring it. So I, it. in criminal court, what the argument is going to be for the defense is, look, we already tried to acquit her. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we, they've already been acquitted on charges of neglect. Mm-hmm. The issue of whether or not she was a child is, is made irrelevant, mm-hmm. not only by the trial court, but by the appeal, the appellate court. Mm-hmm. So now they're trying for a, what they're going to argue is the prosecution is now trying a second bite at the apple mm-hmm. impermissibly in violation of double jeopardy because if they wanted to charge her with sexual abuse, they had ample opportunity to do so in 2018 and they failed to do so. We were, we were litigating and investigating their conduct during the exact same time period, Mm -hmm. living in the exact same house, the exact same parties. And if there was any, they had ample uh, opportunity to interview Natasha, Natasha, to interview Natalia. (laughs) They had Ample opportunity to identify mm-hmm. and uh, interview witnesses, mm-hmm. and they brought the charges that they brought. They don't now, because they lost, get to say, okay, well, we're going to try sexual abuse charges now. That's not so the way it works. at that moment when they brought the neglect um, charges, did they have the evidence already for the possible sexual abuse? Or That's the big question. I don't yeah. think that they... Like if they, they had that evidence, mm-hmm. they should, they would, I feel like those would have been charges. I know. That's one of my biggest gripes with mm-hmm. the prosecution is, or it makes me wonder if what we're imagining mm-hmm. is probably, there was probably sexual abuse mm-hmm. if it actually just wasn't true because mm-hmm. there's no evidence of it. Okay. And it makes me wonder if Natalia, maybe when they interviewed her and they questioned her, maybe she denied it. Thanks to Maybe she said, no, nothing happened. And it's not, it wouldn't be, she wouldn't be the first child in the world to uh, say, no, I was not abused when she was actually abused. Mm -hmm. They certainly didn't have any physical evidence, I doubt. I mean, they went up and down her medicals uh, to figure out, you know, trying to figure out her age um, in the 2012 case. So they wouldn't have even had that. Um, So it would have literally been the statements or non-statements of Natalia to support the allegations of sexual abuse, which is why they didn't make it into trial, probably because... I mean, I don't know. Um, it, it just if, if they don't even have a statement to go mm-hmm. off of, then you can't bring those charges then. Mm-hmm. But what happens now is what if what if new evidence comes out? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, Natasha's about to give this interview mm-hmm. um, with Entertainment Tonight or whoever mm-hmm. that network was. Mm-hmm. And they're going to um, ask her about questions. And if she brings up mm-hmm. allegations of sexual assault and misconduct at that interview... We already talked about how the Barnetts are probably watching for that to try to hit her with defamation. But what evidence would they have now that wouldn't have been available back then? The new evidence would literally be Natalia is now coming out and she would have to say something with, well, I blocked it out all those years because it was so traumatic for me. But now that I've uh, gone to therapy and I have a stable Mm -hmm. living environment, I've evolved as a person and I realize that these atrocities happened to me Mm -hmm. and therefore I want to get my word out. I want justice for what was done to me. That's what she said. She said she wanted to try to find herself, right? Yes. So um, it would have to be on the basis of that, and a judge would have to buy it mm-hmm. to allow for those charges um, to hold and for to allow for a trial. Mm-hmm. How that works with the five-year look-back thing, though, I don't know. 
Yes. <laughs> but if we're saying that there was no evidence prior to 2023 mm-hmm. when Natalia gives this interview, um, then I think maybe it's all fair game. The question just becomes, are the charges so different from the original charges of mm-hmm. neglect to warrant a brand new and separate exactly. trial, even though they would have occurred during the same time period? Mm-hmm. Um, and if so, um, or, or if not, then we have to say, well, double jeopardy. You exactly. cannot constitutionally mm-hmm. bring the claim. Mm-hmm. So the only hopes of gaining uh, any traction on a criminal case has to come from a finding that double jeopardy does not apply because of the some new evidence that we have now on Natasha's behalf. Mm-hmm. Natalia. And Natalia. And the only way that we're getting there is if maybe she comes with that theory, mm-hmm. which is I've never told anybody about this ever, but now I'm mm-hmm. 19 years old and I've found myself. Mm-hmm. And this is what really happened to me. And this is the first time I'm letting it out. Mm-hmm. And then they could bring in experts to talk about why uh, Natalia is a liar and mm-hmm. there will be counter experts to say why somebody would hide such a thing for 19 years and mm-hmm. they could argue about that in court but that would be the way to get this in a criminal court but I'll tell you what it's not going to be for the, the neglect stuff no that's already gone <laughs> as far as her being re-aged now here's here's where age becomes relevant can she be re-aged my only theory would be based on new evidence mm-hmm. that wasn't available in 2012 And my understanding is that the prosecution didn't make this discovery of the new evidence until 2018. Okay. Or 2019, I think they said. Maybe it was 2020. Okay. But it was recently. Mm -hmm. And their argument is going to be like, look, there was no evidence readily available to us Mm -hmm. that would have shed any new light on Natalia's actual age. Mm -hmm. We literally had to go to the Ukraine to pull this evidence and jump through their hoops, which is why it was unavailable, but we Mm -hmm. have it now. So let's legally re-age her so we can now criminally charge them for sexual misconduct Mm -hmm. against children, which would carry with it significantly Mm -hmm. heavier penalties than against an adult. And maybe that opens up the possibility for a retrial Mm -hmm. on the neglect charges uh, based on a finding, a new finding, of her actual age based on new evidence that wouldn't have been available at the time because we had to go get it from the Ukraine. Now, I don't know if those evidence, if those arguments have been presented in court. All I know is on the appellate record, Mm -hmm. um, they didn't make any mention of that. Mm -hmm. However, never mind that in California, you would Mm -hmm. be able to reopen that case just with a simple motion of vacate based mm-hmm. on the new evidence. Exactly. I don't know if they have that mechanism in Indiana. Indiana seems to have a So maybe system. we just go to, maybe we <laughs> just do it in federal court. Maybe we just do it in federal court and get a federal finding that, mm-hmm. you know, she's being re-aged. Mm-hmm. We sue in civil court federally mm-hmm. um, and maybe cre- uh, federal criminal charges mm-hmm. um, to use this new evidence that wouldn't have been available at the time that would supersede the finding in 2012. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you know, 25 years later, oh, somebody now confesses to the murder. Let's overturn the conviction. It would mm-hmm. be no different. That's the principle yeah. that we're operating off of. So if we re-age her, it's specifically for purposes of trying to get some criminal traction. The civil case is a little different. Mm-hmm. We don't even have to get that far. No. <laughs> you know, we simply have to have um, a cause of action. The co- what would the cause of action be? You could be it could be um, charged as an adult, uh, a sexual assault claim, mm-hmm. um, you could, that that's a Damages, valid civil claim. Yeah. <laughs> the Bill Cosby thing exactly. they, they did that um, just in, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most famous case. Exactly. That's the famous one I can think of. But 
she can sue for sexual assault as an adult Mm -hmm. in the alternative, Mm -hmm. but her main cause of action would probably be as a child. And she's going to prove that she was a child based on On the Ukrainian records. And then they're going to try to bring in the 2012 judgment. And that Mm -hmm. would become a motion for how old she's going to be for purposes of the civil trial. Um, And then that way, by a preponderance of the evidence, all she has to prove is, Mm -hmm. you know, by her statements and by the testimony that exists, all of the video uh, documents that exist. Um, (laughs) If she can prove by a preponderance of the evidence that what she says is true, Mm -hmm. that she was abused by her adoptive parents, then she could at the very Mm -hmm. least get a civil judgment. Mm -hmm. And in those civil cases, you don't have the right to um, not speak. Exactly. You You don't have the right against Mm self-incrimination. That would mean that you'd get Michael in a room for a deposition. And mind you, I feel oh, like him in a room for the position. That's, yep. that's going to be fun. <laughs> I feel like some of this stuff has already happened because there's already been depositions. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know what's going on civilly with Natalia right mm-hmm. now. Um, I do know that whatever's going on is probably under wraps and a strict mm-hmm. gag order, which is why nobody's talking about it, mm-hmm. which is why if they wanted to get this uh, documentary published, they probably could not go into some of the finer details of the abuse, either because of defamation, cease and desist letters, mm-hmm. or because of gag orders from existing cases that mm-hmm. are not out because of the confidential nature of them and wherever they're being litigated. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's the case or not. It's possible. Yeah. Um, California has different rules than Indiana. Uh, but it's, there, there's, it is certainly possible that Michael's already been deposed about this stuff. I think so. Yeah. I know for a fact that Christine was because they said that she was deposed in the mm-hmm. documentary. I don't think that was for a criminal case. It might have been. I don't remember. Um, I just know this. Mm-hmm. Right now we have very limited details. The criminal case is done. I mean, it's in it's in a LexisNexis. You can read the case over there. It's been well-sourced and well-cited, mm-hmm. and everybody knows what happened there and the legal findings, and they've actually made new case law mm-hmm. on the basis of the Indiana appeals, at least in the state of Indiana. Mm-hmm. And which, by the way, if you practice law in the state of Indiana, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, what is up with your rules of evidence over Please there? Please explain. <laughs> explain to me the five-year rule, and why is there not an exception, you know, uh, for allowing for evidence that happened if the incident occurred more than five years mm-hmm. ago would be my biggest question. Um, so what do you think? Okay, so you're the attorney. Um, out of those courses of action, which one do you want to go for? What is the most likely to, to, to occur? I will say the civil one. Well, that's the easiest. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's less hoops well, most to Most likely to occur it is the easiest one. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I agree. It, it would be the civil, the, the civil trial. Mm-hmm. But if I'm the DA, I don't know um, if they've made a political decision now just not to pursue additional charges. I don't know if they're waiting for the pendency of, of um, or the conclusion of certain civil actions mm-hmm. pending in Indiana that may have the effect of reverting her age back to 2004, mm-hmm. her appropriate birth rate. And if that happens, here's the thing. If that happens, I cannot see a world where if she's legally changed back to uh, her correct birth date, why they couldn't retry on the basis of that new ruling mm-hmm. and now charge them for crimes against a child as yeah. opposed to as an adult. I'm not confident to say that that's not already in the works. I hope mm-hmm. it's in the works. 
I don't know what to make, though, of the Tippecanoe uh, prosecutor releasing her birth date information, however, mm-hmm. if they knew that all of those things were... Obviously, I'm speculating, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, really, what I'm really saying is I don't know if there's some super secret litigation going <laughs> on involving Natalia uh, that might not do the things that we're suggesting could happen. Maybe yeah. we change her age. Maybe we held them. Uh, we hold the Barnett's criminally liable. Maybe we hold them civilly liable. Um, but if they're not, we're simply trying to say that this would be the mechanism by, by how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Shaggy states, uh, can she can can he be tried for something else? Yeah, and the things he could be tried for right off the top, we've already mentioned uh, sexual abuse, yes. sexual misconduct, sexual solicitation, um, sexual um, exploitation of a minor. Anything um, that was not included in the previous. Uh, yeah, but. If it's as to a minor, there's a million different things mm-hmm. you can be charged for. If it's as an adult, then yeah, any of the sex crimes that haven't come out mm-hmm. yet. But that's assuming that they have any evidence um, that exists that would allow for those charges to be brought in the first place. Because you got to get through a couple different levels. Number one, they got to get through the grand jury. Mm-hmm. So the grand jury it works similar to how our preliminary hearings work in California, whereby if you're charged with a crime. They have to make a finding that there is enough evidence here to hold a trial. Mm-hmm. And if there is, then great, we're going to trial. And if there's not, then, uh, well, they dismiss the case. And so my guess, if those charges haven't been brought after all of this time, it's not because the prosecutor hasn't tried. They're not releasing evidence like that in the hopes that the general public will get the whole picture mm-hmm. if they didn't believe that they had something else up their sleeve. That's just my take on it. I don't know. What do you think? Why would you release evidence on a case that you didn't intend to pursue further things? I don't know. <laughs> There's not a good answer for yeah, it. Yeah, I so, agree with you. It's like. My guess then is just that they probably have um, not much evidence to mm-hmm. support the claims. I will say this. If somebody comes to my office and they want to bring a claim of sexual abuse that happened years prior. And the only thing that they have to go off of is their statements. And they wanted to say that, well, I've actually defended against a client against mm-hmm. a case like this, where they wanted yes. to bring up an allegation 30 years after the fact. Okay. You know, 30 years is one thing, but a 19 or 20 year old coming of age mm-hmm. who is now a college student finding herself and, you know, mm-hmm. reading all of these new theories and philosophies philosophies and thought mm-hmm. processes and uh, going to school and learning new things about herself, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility yeah. that perhaps she had some kind mm-hmm. of epiphany that led her to the conclusion that, mm-hmm. you know what, what happened to me was not okay. Mm-hmm. What happens is when you're six and seven and eight years old and you're living in that environment, that becomes your universe. Exactly. The rules of your universe are what occurs in that household. And if they were regularly doing that and it was regularly happening to her prior to the Barnett's, mm-hmm. if people had done that to her prior to her arriving there, then, you know, maybe it's just normal fodder. It's not Mm -hmm. that it's not something eventful to speak on, but as we age and we start to reconsider our childhoods, Mm -hmm. oftentimes we find that there are things that happen to us that should be criminally prosecuted. Mm -hmm. And at the very least, uh, the persons that did those things should be made held to answer for their actions. So on the basis of we how we now have a, a, somebody of college age Mm -hmm. saying that I want to explain what happened to me when I was six, seven or eight years old. I don't think that there's many jurors out there that couldn't understand that reasoning or logic. Now juxtapose that 
we mm-hmm. with another case that I had where I was actually defending the defendants. Mm-hmm. He was being sued for uh, sexual assaults mm-hmm. that he committed when he was a child against another child. Okay. And the parties were now like in their 40s. Oh, wow. And they're trying to, <laughs> the guy was suing them for $2 million. And so I was like, okay, well, let's look at what else is going on in your mm-hmm. life. You know, and uh, we looked at all of the evidence and, you know, so when did you know that this was a thing? It's like when I went to therapy, when I was in my mid thirties, that's mm-hmm. by itself. Okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But what else is going on in your life? Um, well, I can't get a job. I've been living with my mom this whole time and I'm in my forties and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, you know, I've failed at all these things. And that case ultimately got dismissed because the attorney that brought that lawsuit, mm-hmm. um, the, the deeper that we got into discovery, started to understand that this lawsuit is kind of ludicrous. Yeah. And there's a million different reasons for why. But mm-hmm. if her client was of college age and they're bringing those charges, that's a lot more oh, easy to yeah. understand. Somewhat because different. if you look mm-hmm. at it from a 40 year old perspective, most adults are going to look like, okay, so he's, he's looking for a handout now because mm-hmm. exactly. he's been a failure in life. And now this is one big chance at a payday. Mm-hmm. And he, this is what he's come up with in his mother's basement. That yeah. seems a little fishy. Mm-hmm. Like, why didn't you bring this up when you were 25? And so we give people a little less, a little less leeway. Exactly. But even though she's 19, 20 years old now, mm-hmm. um, she's still, for all intents and purposes, in my eyes, just a baby. She's mm-hmm. just a child. She doesn't know anything. No. She's barely over being a teenager. She's, she's not even fully formed. <laughs> she's, she just said herself that she wants to learn who mm-hmm. she is. And all these things that people have been saying about me is not true. I want people mm-hmm. to hear my side of it. And she says, I want to know who I am. Mm-hmm. And I could imagine if you've been bounced around between 30 different adoptive families and, you know, abused by how many mm-hmm. of them and, and rejected by so many of them and uh, physically abused and made to be uh, out to be this uh, 33-year-old scam artist from the Ukraine, mm-hmm. this uh, psychopathic murderer narcissist they're trying to make her out to be, mm-hmm. that you might have some trust issues with the outside world mm-hmm. and adults in general and maybe some confusion about who you are is a person. Yeah. I don't know. So Natalia comes into your office. <clears throat> she says, um, take my case. What do you say? But which one? Uh, well, the civil one? Um, well, civil or criminal. I'm going to go get a water real quick. I need you to hold the fort. Oh, God. <laughs> which one, which one would you tell? How would you advise her? I don't know. Um, I mean... The criminal one, I don't see, I mean, because I'm not the DA or anything like that, and she wouldn't be a defendant. But the civil one, I will probably just take it um, based on what I know, of course, <laughs> of the case right now, that she will, like, bring all that up to me. I mean, I think it's a very good chance for her to... Uh, get something now the other thing is if she's looking for money i don't know if the barnets have money but as far as justice getting an order out there that kind of like a clears out everything well i'll tell you what i would do i would um they have some money i mean they had enough money to adopt and they had to put down like a twenty five thousand or something like that as a deposit to yeah but that was a long time ago like sure they have money now <laughs> i don't know this <laughs> probably from all the speaking engagements Maybe. Here's what I would do. I would pursue civilly. Civilly, yeah. I would pursue civilly. I would sue for nominal damages Mm -hmm. of a dollar. Okay. But punitive damages in excess of $25,000. Okay. 
and I would discover the shit out of the Barnetts. I want all mm-hmm. the discovery. I want all of the video evidence. I want all of the documentary evidence. I want all the letters, every communication you've ever had mm-hmm. uh, with uh, CPS, with social workers, with um, her nurses, with uh, her medical care physicians. Mm-hmm. I want every communication between him and his wife that could mm-hmm. be recovered that hopefully hasn't been destroyed. I want all the evidence that came out that was provided to his um, defense attorneys to the extent okay. we could get it. I'm not going to get a lot of this stuff, but I'm going to get, I'm going to get a lot of it. I'm not going to yes. get all of it, but I'm going to get enough. And the, the prep, the work up to this case is probably going to take a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. If I'm taking a case like this, I'm probably taking it pro bono just because, um, She's not going to be able to afford the two hundred fifty thousand, a million dollars it's going to cost, and legal fees to, to, mm-hmm. to do all of that. But um, maybe you take it as a contingency. I was thinking that a contingency, but then at the same time, I don't know how that that will mean that the other party has money, and I don't know. Can um, I ever gonna recover? Yeah, but you could do like the OJ thing, where like mm-hmm. any earnings that you ever that you ever make, you have to give like ninety five percent to mm-hmm. uh, the plaintiff and mm-hmm. their attorneys and all you know those kinds yeah. of things, and it's. I think for her, um, I think the other selling point is that perhaps it gives fodder for the district attorney to then turn around Mm -hmm. and bring criminal charges based off of the civil case. It wouldn't be the first time that's happened. Mm -hmm. So long as there are no promises. um, The Bill Cosby case, we talked about that. The -hmm. criminal case, you know how I got thrown out? I just remember that he was not guilty, but I don't know what happened. Well, there were some promises made by the district attorney mm-hmm. to Mr. Cosby that if he participated in a deposition, that mm-hmm. they would not oh. use that for the purposes of their criminal case okay. because of the Fifth Amendment. Mm-hmm. But then they went back on their word. And so after he'd been convicted on appeal, uh, the attorneys went back and, well, that's why Bill Cosby right now, mm-hmm. he was supposed to spend the rest of his life in prison. He's walking around as a free man. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, you don't have the protection of the civil court and all this kind of stuff, and he was using that, whatever, but the DA was not allowed to use that deposition testimony in the way that they did in that case, and that's why it got thrown out. So, But at the same time, maybe it provides some kind of uh, ammunition or, mm-hmm. you know, at least uh, places where you can look, or maybe they could get some kind of idea of how it's going to play out in front of a jury by seeing it play out in front that of a too. civil court mm-hmm. first. That too. And so maybe on those grounds, you know, a compassionate enough attorney mm-hmm. taking on a case like that to go after monsters like that. If you mm-hmm. believe enough in the case, I don't think it's out of the realm of the poss- of possibility uh, that criminal charges may flow mm-hmm. from victory in a civil case. Now, it's not going to be done next week. No. <laughs> but, you know, sometime in, say, 2025, 26, mm-hmm. maybe she gets the, the justice that she seeks. But I guess the deeper mm-hmm. question for Natalia really then becomes, um, is all of that worth it? Yeah, I was going to ask that. Did you want to Do you really, I mean, you've been in court again? like <laughs> since 2012 on this thing. Do you really want to spend another four or five years in mm-hmm. litigating this thing? Or do you want to move on with your life and find yourself? But those would be deeper conversations that I would have uh, with her um, if she was going to consider mm-hmm. that case. And uh, we have had a conversation with... Um, I know. You know? <laughs> But it's, it's something to think about where um, litigation is hard. It is hard. It is. Uh, it, it, it can affect you mentally, um, mental health. 
So you need to be sure and understand the process and what you're going to go through before you decide to, uh, I guess, file or... You want to know what uh, some of our listening audience is saying? They're, mm-hmm. um, Shaggy says that, uh, oh, Kay says that how did people not realize... Yeah, she's talking about the neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, Shaggy says, this is the saddest case I believe I've ever witnessed. I want to hug mm-hmm. her and give her all the food I got. I had the exact same thoughts. Yes. <laughs> and I was watching the documentary. I was like, here, I'm going to whoop her up a grilled cheese right now. I was like, come mm-hmm. have her sit in the backyard and play with the girls. And I agree. Kay says it was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Shaggy says the Barnets are no good, are good. No, they're good manipulators in my oh, opinion. Yes. 100% manipulators, mm-hmm. especially, well, we didn't really hear much from Christine in that documentary other than. No, we, it was just people talking about her, but she did never really talk. I don't think she we heard her voice, part, right? She was not part of the, of the documentary. But Michael, for sure, I'm, is he really a good manipulator? Because I feel like if I if he were to walk in this office, like within five seconds, I would have him pegged. It's like, oh, don't trust that guy <laughs> for any reason. Like it's so obvious yeah, it's that obvious, guy. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing I would ever trust him with. Mm-hmm. You know, if he was opposing on the other side, whatever he tried to tell me, I just had a case like this yesterday. Yesterday, they, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't trust this person. Yeah, at all. I mean, I know, I know what you're saying, yeah. but no disrespect to you, counsel, but your your client's full of shit. Exactly. <laughs> so I was like that yesterday. <laughs> yeah. The client and the attorney too. That's like everything I'm writing. I don't want any promises. I don't want any. Yes, yeah. I'll give you this. I want every single thing on writing. And of course, when I put it on writing, it was a big fight before signing it. I'm like, well, didn't oh. you say you you agreed? Then we're going to have to. <laughs> if you agree, you, you, you're going to sign it, right? Then you didn't have any intent to actually follow your word. So I'm going to have to ask you about that. That one later. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it happens. But I wouldn't I wouldn't trust Michael for any reason. The way that mm-hmm. he talks, just his overt mannerisms. I've learned some things by watching the behavioral panel. It's my mm-hmm. favorite YouTube show. And they, they say that people, they do, they have all these cues and things that mm-hmm. he does. Um, well, Michael, when he talks, all these red flags, just man, there's no trust in that guy. Um, and just, um, I mean, obviously we know a lot more about him because mm-hmm. of the documentary, but just if you were to come in this office, I would know right off the bat he was a bullshitter. But yeah, if he's in your circle mm-hmm. and you're forced to trust him because you're married to him or because you're one of his children, mm-hmm. I, I'd imagine that he actively manipulates the people that are within his purview. Actively. Um, what else did we say? We said, <clears throat> yeah, we discussed whether or not he could be tried for something else. Um, they say the adoption agency... In Florida made a statement and said Michael lied about them. I did see that. Mm -hmm. And they are suing. That's true. So the adoption. So Michael makes this statement about the Florida Adoption Agency. And Mm -hmm. he claims that I was just given a call and said, you know, we went to go see her. And then we had 24 hours to make a decision. And they just said, here's these documents. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't say yes, then they were going to we're going to lose out on our opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then the Florida's like. That's bullshit. Okay. That's not our process at all. And now we're suing for whatever they're suing for. Yeah. And so I hope they win. So he's fighting that but lawsuit. But then that means that there might be not much money left for um, Natalia. Natalia. I know. <laughs> but hey. I know. But that, that's something else to think about. But mm-hmm. yeah, that, that sounded fishy to me at the, at the beginning. So what do you mean? So you're going to 
<clears throat> the way the appellate mm-hmm. judge described it is when you adopt somebody for all intents and purposes, that young person is taking on the identity mm-hmm. of their adoptive parents in every respect except by blood. Mm-hmm. And I've never heard of any adoption process occurring saying, oh, you got a 24 hours mm-hmm. to meet and make a decision. Yes or no to this person or mm-hmm. they're asked out. That doesn't make any sense, especially for a six-year-old. Most people mm-hmm. don't adopt. Yeah. Want to adopt like newborns? Yes, mostly. And so, because they're in demand and, you know, but mm-hmm. six-year-olds are harder to place. The, the older, the harder they yeah. are to And so place. that didn't make any sense in that regard. But anyway, mm-hmm. he is getting sued. Um, what else did I miss? When MB gets to hell. Wait, who's MB? I hope that he feels as scared, vulnerable. Oh, thank you. Michael. Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, if they find out the Barnetts knew she was really a child and they purposely did illegal things to re-age her, is that a crime? Well, I'm not sure if them getting her re-aged was a crime mm-hmm. because both sides were represented. And if they made a judicial finding, you okay. know, that's already been brought up on appeal. The fact that they brought the claim and by itself is not a crime. Mm-hmm. Which brings up, I guess, the another issue. Okay, so if you're going to try to charge her... The Barnetts for crimes mm-hmm. against children. Mm-hmm. Now this 2012 re-aging becomes problematic. Okay. Because it's almost like they become bona fide purchasers. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, the judge is telling that she's 12. And so yeah, we true. believe that the, they said that she was an adult. So you now lack the required mental mm-hmm. like, capacity to commit crimes against children. You have been judicially allowed to treat this person as an adult. And so in light of that, I'm not sure if any crime against a child is going to work. Mm-hmm. And their defense is going to be simple. It's going to be like, look, we thought she was six, but then the court told us she was 22. And we believed. Yeah, and we believed. And so therefore, oh, but what if on the basis of that, mm-hmm. they did treat her as a 22-year-old mm-hmm. and try to get her in like these weird orgies Still, if she that they would have because they thought that she was an age of consent. What if that did she actually consent? <laughs> like, which is why you bring the claim yeah. as sexual assault against an adult. But it's like if you're trying to bring it against a child, mm-hmm. then I guess I could see the prosecutor's point. Then every every claim against her as being a child, you know, mm-hmm. they've basically been given permission by this Indiana court. Mm-hmm. She's an adult now, so treat her as such. Yeah. And so you can't form the intent. You know, you're legally within their bounds to mm-hmm. engage her in such things. Um, and you can no longer use the defense that, well, she was a child. And so she, mm-hmm. you shouldn't have done that to her. So you literally have to bring, it, it, it's not even sexual acts, which mm-hmm. would encompass any sexual act. It has to be a forcible or a sexual act against her will mm-hmm. would be the standard, which is much more difficult to prove. Mm-hmm. Because think about it, if it's like a statutory rape situation, that's mm-hmm. like, a, well, it doesn't matter what you thought. Mm-hmm. You know, she was yeah, this exactly. age. Exactly, it's different. You lose that argument mm-hmm. when the judge declares that she's 22. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to say that, you know, if it's a sexual act against a child, any you you can't look at a child the wrong way. Mm-hmm. There is charges literally against bothering or molesting a child by your, your presence in mm-hmm. California. It's a misdemeanor, but still. Um, if you have to prove that the acts were against her will and they somehow have statements where, I don't know, it just, it, it, it complicates the entire thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't even consider that until I just read that comment. Yeah. yeah. 
it makes the case harder. Yeah. So <clears throat> with all that being said, then I think then the move is if you're going to do it and you really have nothing to lose, just mm-hmm. bring the freaking claim as if she was an adult. Mm-hmm. But then, um, yeah, it's not, a, it's, it's not an easy it's not case. Easy, yeah. It's not an easy case. There's a oh lot of God. legal research that needs to be done because mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if the case law federally or through state mm-hmm. has any reference of how to handle a situation when somebody's been re-aged and mm-hmm. then aged backwards and yeah. what to do against the crimes during the times when she was an adult. There is not a legal mechanism for how to handle that in any case law that I'm aware of. Yeah, it needs a lot of research to see if that has happened probably in another state or something like that. And honestly, it's probably not even research that exists. It's probably mm-hmm. we we have to break, we're, we're breaking new ground with these mm-hmm. findings. And so it's uh, it's just, it's harder than it looks. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I understand. It's easy to sit here and say, oh, we should do, do this and that. But yeah, that the 2012 re-aging screwed up the prosecutor's ability to prove intent. Mm-hmm. Criminal intent on the part of the Barnetts. Okay. Because if she's 22, they can't possibly have the criminal intent to commit crimes against a child mm-hmm. if they've been told that she's an adult. Exactly. So now what? <laughs> now, now what, Juliana? We go the civil way. <laughs> All right. Let's do, let's do the civil thing. It, it, it definitely looks pretty uh, difficult and complicated for the prosecutor. So... Kay has a Kay has a better question. She mm-hmm. says, "Could there be a potential future claim against the system for harm caused to a child due to their illegal decisions?" Yeah, <clears throat> I think that there can be, but the issues on which you would bring those claims mm-hmm. depend on whether or not Natalia was actually a minor. Mm-hmm. So, if the mechanisms to protect minors in the state of Indiana were somehow responsible for the things mm-hmm. or the atrocities that have befallen her, they may be absolved by the 2012 ruling mm-hmm. that she exactly. was 22 years old. Anything. Which, in which case, it would disqualify Natalia from those services to begin with, mm-hmm. which raises jurisdictional issues. When the CPS worker is trying to get involved, when she was an adult, was she yes, even within her purview tried. to do mm-hmm. that? So, I'm not sure. I, th- I think that uh, everybody's kind of off the hook with the 2012 ruling. Yeah. Honestly. Sadly. Yes. So, yeah, I don't think that you could bring a claim against the, I mean, you could try. You might as well. You're gonna, mm-hmm. you, if you feel like you're going to lose anyway, yeah, screw it. <laughs> Let's make some new case law then. <laughs> what do we do in this situation? I mean, I'm sure that there's going to be some attorneys over there that are going to pick up mm-hmm. that charge, but um, it's not so simple. It's a lot simpler if we could all just agree and the court never ruled that she was an adult, but they exactly. did. And when they did that, you have to prove intent with a lot of these causes of actions, with a lot of these crimes. Mm-hmm. And when you take that away, then in criminal cases, in most cases, especially for sexual assault mm-hmm. cases, you have to prove every single element. And the one key element mm-hmm. would be intent. Take that away, then you have an acquittal. And that's why the Barnets were acquitted when they were. I mean, specifically Michael at his criminal exactly, trial. yes. So, yeah, it's heartbreaking, but that's the reality of it. Um, so, I think for right now, I mm-hmm. think we've kind of covered this to death. Um, and we've been going for like an hour, 20 minutes. Oh. So, 
I think it's time to wrap up. This was episode 39 <laughs> of the Tilted Lawyer podcast. I can assure you this uh, for everybody out there listening. Mm-hmm. We are going to do a third episode on this case. Oh, yes. After Natalia's interview mm-hmm. airs, whenever it airs, later this summer. I'm very curious about what she has to say. Um, but at any rate, if you guys have more questions about the legal process and things and you didn't get a chance on the live stream, or if you're, if you're now listening to mm-hmm. uh, the already recorded live podcast, um, leave a comment down below. A lot of the stuff that I talked about, I got from the comments uh, from our last show. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're very helpful. And I do always appreciate when you guys communicate and yes, participate with the show. You. It really, really helps us out. And we like to see you guys around. Um, I've seen a lot of you guys around uh, multiple times now. You guys are starting to become regulars. We're starting to get regulars, Ileana. Mm-hmm. What do you well, think of that? That's good. I like it. Yeah. So <laughs> at that rate, um, it's the end of the show. This is episode 39 of the Tilted Lawyer podcast. If you made it all the way through, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate all of you. Be sure to lock your doors. Make sure to keep your loved ones close. And we will see you guys uh, all next week. We love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you all for listening to the entire podcast. We really do appreciate that. And as always, you can find us on YouTube on the Tilted Lawyer Podcast YouTube channel or on your podcast carrier of choice. If you feel we've presented anything of value, please leave a five-star rating, like, and subscribe. We always appreciate that kind of thing. And we do look forward to seeing you all again live every Thursday at 3 in the afternoon. We love you all. Take care. Bye-bye.